The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Kevin Herter to get it in. Everyone standing at State Farm Arena. Herter looks, plays it into Trey. Two seconds, one. Trey Slaughter. Rip his heart out. I'm the best ever. I'm the most brutal and vicious and most ruthless champion there's ever been. There's no one can stop me. Lynch is a conqueror. No, I'm Alexander. He's no Alexander. I'm the best ever. There's never been anybody ruthless. I'm Sonny Liston. I'm Jack Dempsey. There's no one like me. I'm from Nairclaw. There's no one that can match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat his children. Praise be to Allah. You are now listening to the Hawks Beat Podcast with your host, all right ladies and gentlemen boys and girls what is up we are back i'm joined with the two purveyors of the hawks talk podcast my guys logan and jackson run a very 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 good uh, hawks podcast uh from the fan perspective if you haven't listened and checked it out uh you need to put that on your things to do I know a lot of people, there's a lot of Hawks pod, podcasts out there, but uh, these guys do great work, and I'm glad that they decided to join me today uh, as we take a look at just some Hawks uh, some Hawks stories and some Hawks news, and I, I wanted to bring them on to get a fan perspective, right? So, uh, <laughs> Brother Logan, Brother Jackson, man, welcome into the show, man. How y'all feeling? Thank you for having us. I'm feeling, I'm feeling excited. Been looking forward <laughs> to this for a bit. Awesome. Yeah, ever since you... Uh... Talk to us about collabing and doing a podcast together. I've been looking for it, so I, I'm I'm excited to be here. So thank you for having us on for sure. Dope, man. And again, man, I, I've told you guys before, man. I think you guys do great work. I love your chemistry, and I love how you guys just keep it real, man. Like, I mean, to me, that's what makes a good podcast. Like, like don't bullshit me. Like, keep it real. You know <laughs> what I mean? And I love the fact that y'all keep it real. I think that's like kind of your bread and butter. Like, yo, we're going to keep it real. Even if what I say may be crazy, like that's how I feel. And I like that. That's really what we go for. So I'm glad that we're uh, we're sticking the landing there because we, we know what we are. We aren't, you know, we aren't great journalists. We aren't analysts. You know, we, we don't analyze 
you know, down to the specific plays, you know, we aren't coaches, but we have chemistry and we just keep it. I mean, we say how we feel. And I think we're, I think, I think we can relate and a lot of Hawks fans can relate to us. So it's pretty cool to know that sort of what, what we're going for is working. So thank you so much for that. Tell me a little bit about the inception of Hawks talk. Like how did you guys get this thing rolling and how, like the idea and how long you guys been doing it? What's uh, what's funny is it was probably at this point, two and a half years ago, we were just sort of joking. Like Jackson and I have been talking for about, I guess we've been talking for about three years now. Um, so around then we just joked someday we'd have a Hawks talk, Hawk, uh, excuse me, Hawks podcast. And we call it Hawks talks, um, you know, spelt the kind of weird way it is. Um, and then I guess fast forward like a year after that, we were like, man, screw it. Let's just, let's just go for it. We, we had done some previous podcasting. We kind of decided to end that. We wanted to focus solely on the Hawks because that's what we knew best. And we knew we could talk about that every single week, multiple times a week. Um, and Jackson and I have just been cool. Uh, we've been we've been pretty good friends for a couple of years now. I've gone to a couple of Hawks games together. We just sort of developed that chemistry. And um, I don't know, it just sort of works. Jackson's I see Jackson as like the, the funny kind of chaotic aspect of the podcast. <laughs> I kind of I kind of try to rein him in sometimes. But um, I, I think the great thing about us is just, you know, we just work well together. We, we've talked for hundreds of hours. You know, we just we know each other well. And I don't know, we just we just enjoy doing it. So I think people enjoy listening to it. Facts, man. So um, let's go ahead and get into it, man. Right now, as it seems, the Atlanta Hawks are 13 and 13, which is good for ninth in the East. Still a ton of basketball to be played, man. But uh, just give me your, your kind of your overall thoughts on the season. It's been it's been it, 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 they've only played 26 games, but it feels like they've played 40. <laughs> so like you know like how are you guys feeling so far 500 i know the expectations were high this year how are y'all feeling overall as a team uh this year i kind of feel like our record is pretty is a pretty good like mark on us because i do feel like for most of the year the hawks have been like an average basketball team i mean obviously the start of the year you know we beat the mavs on opening night expectations were high everything was looking good i mean you know there's always going to be that tension between us and the mavericks fan base no matter you know how much how much you know time heals all but that's always there's always going to be some tension between those fan bases and then you know after that you lose to the Cavs, and then we went on that huge losing streak away and then you know we started the rebound we got back home we got off that west coast road trip which was just which was just disastrous really i mean that was pretty awful, but I do kind of feel like our record is a pretty good indicator of how our season gone. I do feel like we've been playing pretty average basketball, and a lot of that is, you know, do, I mean, due in fact to not only bad play, but also due to the fact that, you know, we, we've we been pretty unlucky in the injury department, you know? Yeah. At the time of this recording, we're down DeAndre. Uh, we just got Cam back. Uh, we're down Bogey. Okongwu's been out, but that was expected. You know, he got that surgery in the offseason. And then uh, earlier this week, we lost your guy, Edub. We lost Solo. Solo, my guy. <laughs> I saw the news and you're the first person I thought I was like, come on, man. I mean, obviously, you know, prayers at the solo, man. I hope he, uh, I hope he recovers and all, and he's able to play basketball again. I mean, I still want to see him with the Hawks. I appreciate all he's done for us. Yeah, man. Solo is who he is, man. Like don't expect nothing less, nothing more. That's what he is. <laughs> um, let me, uh, let me get your guys thoughts on, and and I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I, ha- I had to bring it up and I had to address it. Uh, Chris Kirshner gate. <laughs> 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 and it's funny because like Chris had a really bad week last week, to say the least, really <laughs> bad week. 
I know Chris personally. I've seen him at the games. You know, I've seen him at away games, you know, from a media standpoint. I don't know him like we're not boys, but I know Chris. We, we speak to each other and I understand, like, the job he has is tough. Like, it's really tough to be a beat writer for the Atlanta Hawks. Um, it's tough to be a beat writer in general. But I want to hear from y'all, like, what are your thoughts on, you know, he, uh, he took some heat from asking Trey the question about, like, why do you take those shots? Personally, from a media standpoint, I didn't really see any value in the question. Uh, I mean, I see value in asking it, but I don't know what he thought he was going to get. Like, I don't, I don't know what you thought he was going to get from a content standpoint. Like, Trey's not going to come out and be like, yeah, you know what? I take some dumb shots. Like, nah, that's not, <laughs> that's not what he's going to do. That's not the program. But, like, and then he has the exchange on Twitter that goes back. Trey comes out and ethers him, and everybody's like, I'm canceling my athletic experience. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it just blew up, man. So give me your thoughts on, on Chris, man. I, I don't know. I might have a slightly controversial take. I, it's not crazy. I'm not going to. Let it fly, man. Let I'm, I'm fly. not going to be, like, defending Chris Kirshner. Like, you know, I'm not going to fight for him or nothing. But yeah. he, he plays a valuable role in, in the <clears throat> Hawks sort of community. I think he's a talented writer. He's a good journalist. Um, you can tell he's been working on his craft. He's he's just a good writer. Um, there's value there. There's value that you know he's like he just like I I can appreciate sort of the skill he has. I think his main issue um, is he just tries to he tries too hard to I don't know how to put it. Maybe he tries too hard on social media to like really sort of have viral tweets or just have moments that like. He, he, I can't. I think you lose his focus. Like you don't need to be tweeting at nobody, calling him broke. I, yeah. It's that's just you trying to like get somebody on Twitter. Just I, if he just stuck to his job, you know, asking the questions, writing good articles, producing other content. Because again, I think if he just stuck to that, he's he's good at that. I don't think he'd have many issues. Sure, you know, he'd have the occasional question that fans get annoyed with, and Trey rolls his eyes and you know gives a pretty you know nothing answer. But his issue is he just tries to, I don't know, I, he, he just, I think he sort of looks for the big, he kind of goes for big swings, I think. He, he tries to really um, get it all. And sometimes I think even as just a journalist, he just needs to take some singles and the occasional double and just sort of um, recognize, you know, what his skill set is and stick with that. But I'm not sure if that's a, you know, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want him fired or nothing. I don't think he's. You know, the worst thing that happened to the Hawks media ever. But you know, he he uh, he's young. Hopefully, he can sort of learn from his ways and, and not get ethered on Twitter anymore because that was kind of humiliating. <laughs> Yo, man, like, and, and and I'll let you chime in too. But like, I was in those mentions like for like two days, just reading and laughing <laughs> the, the responses. Because I'm going to tell you like this, like, and like I said, I, I know Chris, like he's a good dude, whatever, whatever. Like I'm here for these jokes. Like I'm here for the jokes, man. <laughs> I'm always here for the jokes and I'm always going to be here for the jokes for anybody that don't know me, man. I'm here for the good time. I'm here for the laughs. And man, some of those tweets, man, were hilarious, man. I was just like, oh God. But like, yeah, wasn't a good rig for old boy, man. That's a, I mean, that's just how it looked. Me and Jackson, he's my boy. If he ever gets in trouble on Twitter, I'm going to be laughing my ass off the entire time. <laughs> You know, that, that's just how it works. I think it's the same way for you, though. I want to, I want to input some of the Kirshner situation. I do feel like, you know, as a, as a, as a journalist and writer, you do have to ask questions. I mean, obviously, I kind of, I, I didn't even really think about the aspect that Edub mentioned, where you talked about how there really wasn't like, I'm not sure what he was going for for a content perspective. I didn't even think about it until in that until you said it, and that's something I really agree with. Actually, I just, I feel like 
it was it was all downhill after Kirshner made that tweet, and I think he just he took a step too far when he he was like, "Just say you're broke and move on." Like <laughs> you, that's not something you should really say at all. But that's like you also have to kind of realize you're. I mean, Chris is probably the most notable Hawks journalist, right? Like mm-hmm. in turn, like works for the Athletic. We all know how big of a like yeah. media company and stuff they are. Like you kind of it's it's kind of like when Jay Z said it's kind of like what Frank Ocean said. You got to act your net worth. Like there comes a point in every every career where you can't be calling people broke on Twitter. And then you especially can't be calling people who are like members of the community that you're trying to, you know, sell your stuff to. Yeah, man. Like you, you just can't do that, bro. Like, you don't, you know, and like, I get it. And, and you're right. Like he is probably the most notable as far as media members. He's got close to like 20,000 followers. I think Sarah has like, you know, like 12 or so, but like Chris is kind of like the, kind of like the main guy, you know? And uh, yeah, man, like he simply can't do that. But man, when I tell you that 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 brother has gone to like enemy of the state number one, I was in a, a, a Twitter Spaces, man, and Cats was going to him like like he had talked about folks' mama. I was like, oh my god, oh my like, god. folks was ready to die for this. Man. Like they, <laughs> they really was like like big mad over it, bro. I was just like, wow, like <laughs> it is what it is, right? What's what's crazy I was, is I think right now. If you were to poll Hawks fans, I think Luka Doncic would be more popular among Hawks fans than Chris Kershaw, <laughs> which is crazy. Yeah, I think he's just got to stay low for a little bit. You know what I mean? Just ease off the Twitter machine. Just go ahead and just tweet injury reports. Just tweet straight, you know, information. And like everything in America, it's going to pass. But he's got he's to sit this one out for a little bit. You know what I mean? Just kind of lay low. And I think he'll be fine because I think he writes like good stuff. I think he has good stuff as far as his articles are concerned. To me, from, from a media standpoint, when you're a beat writer, the most important job of your beat is to establish relationships. And I don't think that because of where we are with COVID and, you know, we're not allowed in locker rooms anymore. So it's almost impossible for him to be like really good at his job, like the old Stephen A's and Michael Wilbon's. So it's really hard to do your job like that now because you can't really establish relationships with these players. If you're a beat writer, that, that's your bread and butter. Like you can't – Chris don't break no scoops. You know what I'm saying? You're like any scoop you, you that that's broken is from Woj because he's like, you know, the scoop god, you know. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, he, he's got a tough job. You know, he just got to lay low and just, you know, go back to the basics. And, you know, I, I think he'll be fine, man, but. It's tough out there for him, man. It's tough out there for him. One last thing I wanted to put on the situation. I don't really have any other thoughts. I will say, I don't feel like a lot of people saw them because it just happened in Twitter replies. He actually did go back and apologize to the guy, reached out to him and said, if you're ever like in the arena at the same time as me, like let's meet up and make things right, which I did appreciate. Like, you know, there's really no need for this, you know, animosity and hatred. So it was, I th- it was a good move by, and I know it kind of hurts people's egos and especially mine whenever you're like, you have to look back and be like, okay, I, I overstepped. I was out of line. Let me go apologize. Like that's something I don't think any of us ever want to do, but yeah. I did appreciate Chris doing that. I mean, especially something on Twitter where, you know, Twitter really is kind of just a cesspool of getting made fun of. Like it just kind of seems like every week Twitter's just making every day, really Twitter's just making fun of someone. So it's never easy to, you know, go out and apologize, but I did appreciate that from Chris. Wow. I did not know that he did that. So, you know, big ups to him for, you know, you know, and, and I'm sure he, Chris is a young guy, man. Like, you know, he's a young guy. So, you know, uh, I'm sure he'll learn from the experience and hopefully he'll be better. Hopefully everyone will be, will be better. 
Like that 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 that's coach's that's coach Bud's like go to go to word. I remember uh, when he was here in Atlanta after every press conference, he'd be like, "Well, we got to be better. We got to be better." And it was like, "Oh my god!" Like say something else, bro. Like you know, <laughs> he was like the king of coach speak. But uh, yeah, shout out to Coach Bud. Um, let me ask you guys your thoughts on Nate. So Nate has had uh, a lot of injuries. Actually, a lot. Injuries are not just like a Hawks thing. I was telling some of that on, on, on Twitter the other day. I was like, yo, man, like, you're not, Hawks aren't the only people dealing with injuries. Like, the Bulls have, like, nine guys out in COVID protocols. You know what I mean? So, like, while the Hawks haven't really had to deal with, like, COVID stuff, like, they've had to deal with, like, the other stuff. But, like, what's your assessment on Nate this year? I mean, I've already seen cats calling for his job. You know, it's like, are you guys on that end of the pendulum? Are you kind of in the middle? Or are you kind of like, you know, where, where are you with Nate this year? I mean, he's doing this. I mean, he's not doing anything crazy. Uh, my main sort of, you know, obviously the Hawks have been a little disappointing this year. I think all of us were hoping for better than 500 through, I guess, kind of a third of the season, roughly. Um, my main takeaway is just like what happened to the fourth quarter magic that we had uh, the second half of last season after the All-Star break with Nate at the helm. We were like the best fourth quarter team in the league by a substantial margin. And this year were one of the worst, if not the worst. Um, so that, and you can't even necessarily blame that on Nate. I, I'm not, I'm not going to act like I know exactly if it's an eight issue. Some of the rotations maybe are a little weird. Players just aren't executing. A lot of these guys forget how to shoot in the fourth quarter for whatever reason. That's my main sort of question with Nate. I know a lot of people want the rookies to be played. And at this point, there's not, you know, there's only so many more injuries and COVID and sicknesses that can happen to where they have to play a few minutes. But I'm not super i'm not super crazy about the rookies playing too much but it's definitely probably time for them to get some burn uh, at least a few minutes but i'm not super crazy like you know let nate do his job we'll see how it is at the end of the season and then i'll assess and and see if you know i'm I'm still liking how he's running the team but for the most part i think it's just everything everything on the team is just still so questionable it's been such a kind of weird streaky season for us so far it's kind of just got to see how things hold out yeah. What you think, Jess? I mean, I kind of look at the Nate situation as, you know, in, in reality, we're still very young in the Nate being a head coach with the Hawks, at least. I mean, obviously, he's he's been in the NBA for a while. I mean, as a player and a coach both, and as a head coach, especially with the Pacers. But, you know, I look at this like, I, I think we're almost 10 months into Nate being our head coach. I think uh, Lloyd got fired around the uh, trade deadline, which is in February. Anyways, I mean, I still think Nate needs time. I think everything needs time. I think... Everybody just thinks players need to develop, but I think coaches need to develop. And, you know, obviously with Nate being a veteran head coach, you know, a guy with experience, you know, obviously you're expecting a lot more from him initially than you're expecting like a first time head coach. But he still needs to learn the guys. He still needs to like learn what works together, like learn who plays well with each other, like learn what system play, like learn what plays work with what guys. So. I, I'm I'm not gonna sit here and say we need to fire Nate just because not only is that pretty unrealistic in my opinion like it's not very often that a coach gets extended for like four years I do believe and yeah. then at, at in December of the season they, they just get fired that's just not gonna happen like <laughs> I, I I do get people overreacting because I, I will say part of being a fan is just playing arm armchair GM and overreacting I would know because well my podcast ro- role is pretty much based on doing both of those yeah but. I mean, I don't, I don't see a, and I don't think Nate's going anywhere. And I still do think he has time. And ultimately, there's a lot more you can point out that's been an issue with the team than just Nate. And by that, I mean you got to look at the, uh, the bench backcourt. 
<laughs> that's been brutal. Off your chest. Get it off your chest. <laughs> hey, all I'm saying is I saw a stat. I believe it was from uh, my guy Inland Kell on Twitter. He was talking about how Lou and Delon were both under like sub forty percent from field goal like the past few weeks. I was like, uh huh, that's it right there. I, you know what? You know, you know me, Dub. You know me, Logan. Y'all know exactly what I did. Straight to the trade machine. We gotta go. <laughs> we gotta fix this. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, going crazy in the trade machine, man! I love it, man! I love it, and I, and I think that that's a, a dichotomy that a lot of, um, you know, the fans kind of struggle with at times. Is where do you want to hold the accountability? And uh, for someone who who is, and, and it's crazy because like I'm, I want the Hawks to win every single game, and I said this on my last pod, like yo, I want the Hawks to win every single game. But I'm not necessarily a Hawks fan. Like, I mean, I pull for them, but if they don't lose, eh, I'm going to bed, you know? <laughs> like, it don't stick with me, you know? Like, you know, they could have done that. But, like, I try to empathize, and, and that's why I have you guys on, because I love talking to you guys and talking to people that follow me to get that perspective so I can tap in and be like, oh, okay, well, that's what you guys think, you know? Because I respect, you know, whatever. Like, you know, I, I prefer people who don't agree with me. So uh, I think the nuance that gets lost a lot of times is accountability. And when it comes to accountability, it's always from the bottom up, right? Like, so account the coach is always going to be the, t- the head guy who's going to get, you know, the fans, oh, we got to hold them accountable. And the guys who are, who are going to be held least are, of course, number 11 and number 20 for whatever reason. You know, those are the guys you love. You're never going to be like, well, you know what? He did kind of go one for eight in the fourth quarter or whatever, whatever. It's always going to be like, oh, TLC went over seven in this 20 minutes. Got to get them out. <laughs> so it, it's kind of a tough balance. And it, it's something that I see as kind of somebody kind of just like an onlooker. But um, now that I did mention uh, our guy TLC, you guys did a pod uh, praising TLC. <laughs> and the next, the, next, the next guy, the next night, he goes up against Kevin Durant. And uh, he doesn't have his best game. And I sent out a couple of tweets in the guy's favor. I'm like, yo, man, he went up against Kevin Durant. You know what I mean? Uh, what are your thoughts on TLC? You still high on him? Are you still you ready? To, you got him in the machine. You ready to let him go? Or what are your thoughts on TLC? Not only well, nobody did- say from the trade machine. I just <laughs> want to make that note first. Logan, Logan can talk, but I just want to say nobody's the only player who's safe for the trade machine on the Hawks is Trey. Like, everybody else, you're liable to be in it. If I, if I see anything I don't like in the game, you're going in the trade machine. Everybody can get it. Everybody can get it. <laughs> Not only do we praise TLC in that episode, I'm pretty sure Jackson titled it TLC is our savior. Um, so, Jeeks <laughs> hit. Didn't particularly age well. I mean, look, man, it's kind of like Solo. You, I don't know what y'all expect. Obviously, you don't want the over 9 or whatever he had, or over 10 or whatever it was last game. But you also don't ever expect him to, well, he goes 7 for 15 from 3 the game before. Look, that averages out. To like 35%. That's about what you'd expect. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a pendulum, man. He's a he's an end of the bench role player. I'd rather have him than we talked about this on the podcast. Remember in the preseason, we we're fighting like the last roster spot was either TLC or Jalil Okafors. Yeah. I, I'd much rather have TLC, man. Uh, like, obviously, he's not a fantastic player, but he's playing his role. Uh, he had a pretty crappy game. Uh, he's not alone in that, though. So I'm still all right with him, but. I will say the sooner we can get him back to the end of the bench, that that would definitely be best. In, in his in his in his natural environment, you know, yeah, exactly. Like players are what they are, and a lot of people get down on players when they have to step into roles that they're not necessarily 
built for. I remember when Kent Bazemore was here and the year he went from bench to starter. I was like, yo, like, I love Kent. Like, that's my guy. But, like, he ain't no NBA starter. <laughs> like, and, like, he, he he flourished when he came off the bench. Like, that's his natural ecosystem. Like, the same with Dennis Shooter. Like, he's not, you know, though that's your ecosystem. That's who you are. Like, TLC was a six-man, the sixth wing on this squad. Like, he's thrust into this position. I thought, you know, you look at six wings on, on most teams, they're not getting minutes. You know, they are getting minutes. They're like, you know, two, three points a game or whatever. Like, you know, he's not a bad guy. You know what I mean? I went into Twitter spaces after last game, uh, the one that uh, Hawks fan TV have uh, after each game. Man, it was it was it was it was like the third dimension of hell in there, bro. They was arguing <laughs> over Cam Reddish. They was saying TLC is the worst player they've ever seen. <laughs> it was an ugly place, man. I was in that thing for like five minutes and I jumped up out of there, Jack. <laughs> it was ugly. <laughs> I, I will say, I uh, I don't consume much of Hawks fan TV's content. Um, they are a that is a brave group over there to do spaces after every single game. That that takes a lot of that takes more emotional stamina than I have because I, I sometimes I just I only want to touch a podcast or think about the Hawks <laughs> for a couple days after a rough game. So salute to them for doing that because I, I if Jackson ever pitched that to me, I'd say nope, you can do it on your own, man. I'm uh, I'm not doing a Twitter spaces after every single game. That would break look, me. Look after those TLC missed layups. I think he missed two at the rim. Not even gonna lie, I was guilty too, man. I was. <laughs> I was I was pacing around the bedroom. I was yelling. I mean, I was like, "Come on, man! We're missing open layups. You're an NBA player. Hit those. You have one job. Like, I don't I don't care that you're missing all your threes. Shooters get cold. He this guy's missing wide open layups. But I was like, trying to keep composed. You know, people have their off days. I think Cam and TLC finished a combined O of thirteen from the field. I was like, you know what? It happens. You you're not always gonna have your best game. It just it's just bad because I I think I responded to you with this heat up. And I talked about how this is the second time this year we've played ourselves out of wins against the Nets. Like yeah. this time was more dramatic than the last time. I mean, last time we allowed like a fourteen to two run in the end of the third. But this time, I mean, we the fourth quarter was terrible. TLC and KL, I don't know. They they were looking like they were on their way to uh Guangdong, China next year. Um <laughs> <laughs> and then DeLon Wright was the most passive player I've ever seen. Made no sense. Overpassing every time he touched the ball. And I don't know why, like, DeLon Wright can shoot. Like, I told, like, like I was watching a pregame. Like, one time he, he stroked, like, 13 three-pointers just, like, with ease. Like, and just – and I know it's warm-up. I know it's not the game. But, like, yo, you obviously have the, the ability to make shots. Like, I don't know why people get unaggressive. I have my ideas of – why the Hawks struggle in the fourth quarter. But what do you guys see when you guys see them in the fourth quarter as opposed to something that's in the third quarter? Because there's something that's obviously different when they're out there in the fourth quarter as of late. What are you guys seeing out there? I just want to say I saw a stat the other day, and it was uh, it was fourth quarter splits. And, I, look, I, I hate to be the guy who does this, obviously – there's a lot more bigger issues and a, a lot more of things will change. But I saw that Trey's under 40% from the field in the, in the fourth quarter. Look, not going to – I hate to hate on Trey. That's my guy. That's my star player. That's the only star player I've ever known in Hawks history. I mean, I feel like I can say it. The younger Vink in the district, he's kind of past Joe Johnson, man. Look, I look at it, and I, I think I think Trey just needs to step up in the fourth because you look, at, you look back to the Pacers game, uh, the infamous Kevin Herter foul game. And Trey just dropped the ball in that last possession. I was like, come on, man. Like, you, you can't be doing that anymore. That's a rookie mistake. 
So I kind of feel like everybody just has to play better in the fourth. But also, I, f- I feel like a lot of it starts with Trey. I feel like the team, just from watching, I mean, I've, I'm not in the locker room, so I have no sense of this at all. And I'll never claim to, but I, I kind of do feel like the team feeds off of what Trey does and Trey's energy. Like, if Trey's having a great game, you can kind of see that the guys are, you know, playing confident, playing motivated, you know. And, you know, that plays out well sometimes, but then other times, you know, Trey's 30 points and Cam Reddish is shooting step-back threes, which we all know too well about sometimes. Trey used to retire back three. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah no. But uh, I, I kind of feel like we all – I think the team just needs to step up in the fourth. Uh, me and Logan, we were at the Hawks and Sixers game. Wow, that was that fourth quarter was brutal. Like, that was – that just wasn't bad basketball. Like, it was kind of hard to watch, if we're being honest. I, I had all this glory because I caught a shirt at the game, and man, the Hawks just <laughs> stomped on it. Man, the next the next six minutes, they they scored maybe two points, and I was like, I was getting ready to throw my shirt back. But um, I don't know. In the fourth quarter, I don't know if it's too basic an ob- observation. They just need to execute better. They just can't shoot in the fourth quarter. I'm not sure if it's tired legs or you know the, the schedule has been very weird. It's been compressed and then spread out. They you know they played. Four games in seven days, I feel like a couple times. And then, you know, this past week they played on Monday and Friday. And then they get the whole weekend off and again Monday. So it's a, a weird schedule. Really- um, but I, th- I think the crux of it is just bad execution and the backup point guard. Because, the, you know, they'll get the first – that bench unit gets the first several minutes of action. And I love Lou. He's just – he's not that – he's not – you know, he's old. He's, he's retiring very soon. If not this year, then – I don't. Uh, it better be this year. That's all I'll say. Um, and Delon Wright hasn't been as good offensively as I think most of us are hoping. So I think that's a big part. Is just we start off the fourth quarter with our bench lineup, and, and the point guard just isn't able to get anything going offensively. Yeah, um, you guys hit on uh, some of the, several of the things from what I see. So what I see is schematically they seem to play different. You know. I love guys like Kevin Herter. I, I'll say in my podcast, I love seeing Kevin shoot. I don't care if he misses. I love seeing Kevin shoot. Kevin will shoot himself out of a game, meaning that he'll come out in the first quarter. He looks good. Third quarter, fourth quarter, there's no shots. No shots for Kevin. Uh, John Collins, fourth yeah. quarter. Like, we're like, we, we just refuse to give him the ball in the fourth quarter. Like, I think he took four or five shots in the fourth quarter last game. And like, that was the most I'd seen from him in the longest time. And I think that is too much Trey and Trey would be the first to tell you this. Like, you know, when he went after a game and I'll give him this after a game in a press conference too, but like, yeah, I had too many turnovers. I got to be better here. He always owns it. What I see is a little bit too much hero ball and the ball doesn't move when the ball doesn't move. That's problem for the Hawks. And so now you come down and Trey's got the ball and his, you know, his, his 12 dribbles in between his legs, his step-back threes. And while he can make those shots, that may not be the necessary best thing for the Atlanta Hawks. Because I think that they're at their best when that ball is moving. When the ball is moving, you're finding Kevin Herter open. You're finding John in the corner. You know, I, I don't see the ball movement anymore in the fourth quarter. And because of that, the offense stagnates. And that's what you have and we have nine points against Philadelphia. And that's kind of what I see in the fourth quarter. And it all kind of comes full circle because sometimes in the fourth quarter, Trey will take those deep threes early in the shot clock. And sometimes, obviously, he can hit 30-footers. I think he probably has the most in the league since he's he's entered, um, you know, four years ago. 
he can hit those. He can hit those. He can hit thirty footers all day if he has space. But sometimes it's like, please, Trey, just run the offense. Let's let's get the ball moving. <laughs> we have seventeen seconds on the shot clock. We, there's four minutes left. It wouldn't hurt to burn some clock. We're up by four. Like like, please, let's just run some offense. Let's get this ball moving. Yeah, I, I would agree. Like you said, um, Kevin Herter, he kind of goes quiet. That's always been like a theme with Kevin Herter. Sometimes he'll go passive. Um, I don't think it's always on him. Sometimes we just kind of ignore him, it seems like. And John Collins especially. I mean, I don't know how many times it seems like he has a mismatch in the post and we kind of just ignore it. Um, but, yeah, I'm, you know, sometimes I think Trey goes for the highlight and love him for it. it it's crazy having – such a such a high profile player in the Hawks. It, it feels weird having having highlight machine. It, like I wasn't alive during the Dominique era. It kind of feels like we have a point guard version of Dominique. But um, you know, sometimes, like you said, it's it just it would be it'd be nice to move the ball around, keep that thing moving. Because when like against the the Timberwolves, we had great ball movement and look and you know, I mean the offense set records, team records. So kind of goes to show what happens when you just keep moving the rock. Yeah, there, there's definitely something to that. You know what I'm saying? That's just from a basketball standpoint. Yeah. And I, I heard um, I was in the spaces the other day with uh, when they had, uh, I think it was Rashad Phillips, you know, Yoda. Hmm. <laughs> and that was a, uh, an interesting spaces in of itself, too, which is in a whole another podcast, you know, all the stuff that he was saying. But he did say something that I agree with. Those 30-foot shots that Trey takes are kind of like haymakers. He knows that if he hits it, it's a big momentum swing. It's a big, you know, blow to the defense. It's kind of like, you know, the the big uppercut. But it's like with with the huge risk, it's a huge reward. You know what I mean? So, like, if you you make it, cool. But if you don't, it's going to be like, ouch. (laughs) So, like, I I don't don't cast any aspersions. Like, I'm old school. So, I I don't like the 30-foot shots anyway. Unless, Unless Steph is taking them, I don't really like them. That's just me. But. I mean, I, I kind of get why he does take them, but I, I don't think this team is conducive to winning basketball when he's hosting up a lot of those. Yeah, I, I do think Yoda is pretty much right about that. He he definitely just – he wants to throw – like, he wants the dagger. Sometimes you can just kind of tell. And, I mean, when he hits it, it's like the best – you know, from a fan's perspective, it's like the best part of the, the night. It's like, holy crap, he just hit a 32-footer to pretty much seal the game. Um but that's that's still a shot that at best he's he's making like 35 30% of the time. So um sometimes yeah, it's like come on try. We, we all know how smart of a basketball player you are. You you see the court probably better than most people alive right now, you know. Just just run the offense, man. You you uh, you run the offense pretty well. You don't have to get the house of highlights clip going. <laughs> but sometimes I think he gets a little lost in the sauce, but Hey, but but I mean, like that's who he is. Like that's his yep. game. Got to take the good with the bad. Like, and with every superstar, you can say that. And so, uh, a lot of times, fans have a problem when you say something like that, especially against like the star player. But like, I mean, LeBron does that. You know, every every star player does that. Every star player takes bad shots. Every star player tries to do a little bit too much at times. Uh, Trey's a young guy, and people forget like he's still learning this game. Like he's still learning. He's not a Trey is not maxed out with uh who he is as far as a basketball player in my opinion i still think he can get better which is crazy like i still think he can get better as far as understanding the game game flow like the little nuances of the game like he's gonna get better and like i think that his maturation is gonna be like you know what 
maybe I should probably not take this shot right now. Maybe this is not really the best for me. But, you know, I think that's just part of his maturation. Yeah, sometimes it's, it's hard to remember how young he is. But go ahead, Jackson. One thing you both mentioned, and this is aside from Trey, I just wanted to talk about this, was um, the John Collins stuff, how it just seems like the Hawks completely ignore him sometimes. It's actually funnier because early in the podcast, I said, you kind of got to act your net worth. And you know what? I should take that advice sometimes too, really. But I'll say, I was in an argument the other day with someone, and they're like, oh, I'm not taking John Collins an all-star. 16 and 10, bad defense. I'm like, first of all, the defense is well improved, so take that back. But I was also like, John should easily be over 20 points if this team would just look his way and pass it to him when he has like guards on him and stuff. It's ridiculous. I'm not even a John Collins fan. Like, there's some John, like, shout out to our guy Michael Green, man. There's some John Collins fans out there who are who who will ride and die for that man. I'm not one of them personally, but I, I'd be lying. I get infuriated when they don't pass in the ball in those situations. They they do all that, and then we we have John Collins on the post against. I don't even know who's a good example, like Devontae Graham. And then we end up taking a, a TLC contested three. It's like, what are we doing? Like, do, do you are we not going to play simple, easy basketball? Like, is that what we're doing today? Yeah. I don't know. I just need to get that off my chest because that, that infuriates. Like, if there's one thing that, like, I can deal with the Hawks losing, and I can deal with all that. But when they do stupid stuff like that, that, that legitimately infuriates me. And it's crazy because he is absolutely the Hawks' most efficient player. Like, by far. Like, his numbers are, he's so stupid efficient, like, on everything. Like, in the beginning of the beginning of the year, like, when everybody's stats were down, his were the only ones that were up, like, from a metric standpoint. And I'm not even, I'm not even a metrics guy, but, like, like, yo, man, this dude's pretty efficient. Like, maybe he should get a little bit more touches. And my thing is, like, look, man, you paid the man, so, like, you know, give him some touches. You know what I'm saying? Like, you gave him his money. Give him some touches. That's all I'm saying. I uh, yeah, it's it, it's baffling. Kind of, he's he's truly one of the most efficient players in the league. I don't. He has some of the best touch around the rim. Obviously, everyone knows the alley oops, and he's been a forty percent three point shooter for like three years now. If if he's open, there's a very good chance he's hitting it. And sometimes we just, I don't get it. it it's really truly baffling. But you know, maybe someday, someday. The refs will start calling fouls on him because I swear that guy gets mauled every time he does get the ball and it doesn't get called. And hopefully he just starts getting the ball more in the fourth because he's he's truly just a very good player. And it's it's a shame sometimes that he'll end the game with like seven or eight field goals attempts. And almost always he makes like five of them. He's like five for seven with 16 points. And it's like, why did why why didn't we give him 12 shots at least? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's just just the way the ball rolls sometimes, I guess. So let me ask you guys this. Where are you guys on the roster as it stands? I know people are always, you know, saying that, you know, they need this, they need that. And there's so many injuries. And a lot of Hawks are saying, well, the Hawks only X, Y, and Z because uh, so-and-so is out or so-and-so is out. I'm like, yo, chances are you're not going to be healthy all season. Like, there's probably always going to be somebody out. You're probably not going to be all season. So, like, from a standpoint of, a roster construction. Do you think that this roster needs a little bit of tweak? And I know I'm talking to the roster guy with the uh, <laughs> machine here. Like, well, I already got the trade machine opened up. I'm not going to lie. I'm ready. Like, is there any guys that uh, you would pull the trigger for? Or do you think this Hulk needs a bonafide number two? Who are you willing to give up? I know we kind of touched on this a little bit when we did our, our spaces, but I want to ask you guys that again. Like, do you think that, this team does need like a bonafide number two, or do you think it should be John Collins? Or do you think that 
they should go out and look and try to get somebody else. What are your thoughts on the roster construction? You know, I'm going to go first. You know, I'm sure Logan doesn't mind that. This is kind of my forte, my specialty. <laughs> this is kind of, this is kind of my thing right here. This was this is what I've been waiting for. Look, I'm I'm not going to lie. A lot of times I'm I'm you know I'm pretty reactionary. You know, it comes it comes from what you mentioned, Edub. Like me and Logan at the end of the day, you know, we're not analysts, we're not experts on the game. We are fans of the team. Look, there's a lot of times watching games, I'm like, yep, it's time to get Trey a second star. Like, don't worry, bro. We're going to get you a second star one way or another. You got to load up the trade machine. Look, all I'm saying is that I, this team can definitely win games for sure. And they can. this team can go deep in the playoffs. And we literally just did that last year. So at the end of the day, if everybody gets hot at the same time and, you know, that involves Trey, you know, he's the he's the he, he, Trey is our team. Ultimately, I mean, that's just kind of how it goes. Trainees, if everybody gets hot and everything's working well, then this team easily can can be a finals team. I have no doubt in my mind, mind about that. I mean, this team just gets too hot from three, you know. And when they're all playing defense and actually locked in, this team is legitimately a good defensive team. You know, they go through their spells where you're like, okay, well, Capella can't play defense. Trey's the worst defender in the league, and the Hawks are just awful. And, you know, those are we like to have a few of those, not many. Just saying, but I will say I look at this team, and personally, if I was Schlink. Which I'm not, probably for the best, because if I was Schlika, I think we'd have a trade every day at this point. But <laughs> I, I think I'd, I'd trade for a star right now. Look, I, I watch some of these games, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, man, we don't even need a star. We need an all-star. I'm like, you look at this team, it's like, I don't want to have to rely on like three or four guys to, to do good on one night. Like, that's just too many guys you're relying on. You know, I love Kevin. I love DeAndre. I love Cam. I love all them guys. I mean, them guys will always have a special place in my heart. They got my they were they were there when my podcasting career started. You know, this is probably the peak of my Hawks fandom in general. And but look, hey, hey, all I'm saying is that if you know Jalen Brown ever comes available and you're asking Friday this, there's one. Jalen Brown, he ever comes available, I'm driving all those guys to the airport. And I live in Columbus, so I just want to make that known. I will drive to Atlanta and then drive them from their to their residence to the airport just if it means getting Jalen Brown on the basketball team. And all due respect to all of them, but that's just how it is. This is a business, and business decisions have to be made. What uh, what are you willing to give up for Jalen Brown? What's in your package? See now, I actually mentioned this on the uh, space we did. I kind of, I kind of consider DeAndre Hunter to be untra- to be untouchable. That's just me personally. I feel like he does too much. I mean, obviously, there's the injury concerns with the knee. You know, I mean, there's the people who are saying he's injury prone because he hurt his wrist in a freak accident, which is stupid. But whatever, you know, you 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 can't make everybody think on the same smartness as you. Sometimes that's a joke, by the way. Um, anyways, <laughs> I just want to say, look, DeAndre is somebody I, I genuinely consider untouchable. Like, unless Paul George was like. For some reason, Paul George wants out of L.A. And I was like, I want to go to Atlanta. You know, Kawhi as well. I mean, I, you know, DeAndre, you know, <laughs> Paul George comes available. You, you got to go, dog. Um, but, I mean, Cam, definitely available. Bogdan available. Danilo available. All the guys I really consider untouchable this team and that I'm not trading for, like, a Jalen Brown is, like, John, Trey, uh, and, and Hunter. Okay. I can see that. I like how Jackson went on that spiel about how he felt like this team could like make the finals. And then he was like, but I want to trade them all. <laughs> but I do, I do get what he's saying because for this team to truly be great in the playoffs, you kind of need a lot of guys firing hot at the same time. And that's, yeah, I mean, it's a lot to ask for. I mean, I don't know. You're, you're asking you're, the Hawks are asking like three to five guys every night to, you know, have these like games. But then you think about that. You could replace a lot of that offensive potential with just one guy. And I hate to say this while we're on the topic of uh, 
Jalen Brown, look, you look at Brandon Ingram, it's hard to not want that subtype, man. Like, I get the defensive fit is truly awful, and that'll probably never work. You know, in the playoffs, it'll be brutal, but yeah. But back to what you're you're asking, Edith. I would honestly, you know, something like a Jalen Brown trade that consists of Bogdan, Cam, Jalen, and then maybe some first, I would do it. That's just me, though, personally. Okay, okay. What about you, Logan? I, me personally, I'd, I'd wait on the trades, let them ride out this whole season, maybe make a maintenance type of trade. Like if you wanted to address backup point guard again, I, I would, I see it. It's so funny how that, that, you know, Schlenk has done a lot of good stuff. Even the DeLon Wright trade seemed very good uh, on paper for whatever reason. That That is like a cursed position in the Trey era that every time we bring in that backup point guard, he just doesn't perform quite as well as we'd hope. It's we're, we're on like number four or five now and it's just still not working, but um, I could see maybe adding that they just uh, they just signed Langston Galloway to the G League. Those types of maintenance moves just improve the depth because clearly injuries are going to happen to every team. COVID is kind of going crazy. There's I feel like a couple dozen guys in COVID protocol around the league right now. The Hawks clearly have been very good about that um, last season. This season feels like the Hawks have been one of the best teams in terms of avoiding those kind of outbreaks, but they could happen. Um, so just sort of depth maintenance type moves. Um, for the main season, for the regular season, I, I mean, anyway. Um, but in the off season, especially if this team, you know, is disappointing through all eighty-two, and you know, out of the playoffs would be pretty much uh, DefCon five for the fan base. I think it would be freaking out. Um, but like, even if you're a seven, eight, six seed, well, I guess six seed wouldn't be too bad. But if you're in the play-ins, I would fully understand. You know, everyone kind of riling up and saying, "All right, let's let's consolidate. It's time." You know, Bogdan, it was cool having you, Cam. You know, we love you, but it's time we we try to make the move um, to to sort of propel us truly into being like a top three or four bona fide team in the East. Um, but I, I'm saving that type of stuff for the offseason. I, I want to see how this season plays out as is. Personally. Yeah. I, I want to float a name out there and you guys tell me what you think. Uh, ben Simmons, very controversial. <laughs> uh, what do you guys think about Ben Simmons coming to Atlanta? I, I My- think. I think he's sorry, Jackson. Uh, I'll just I'll be quick. I think he's a good player. First off, just on you know, just generally, he got really overhated. He's not the like only reason the seventy six was lost. To, to, uh, Tobias Harris was also pretty bad throughout most of that series, and Bede had a brutal fourth quarter. I don't get why Ben Simmons got all the blame, but he's easy to pick on. He had that bad layup situation, the free throws. I get it. He's not that bad. He's a good player. I just. He he and Capella doesn't work. That's that's too little, you know. That that's two very 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 limited offensive guys. And uh, yeah, so Ben Simmons, as, as interesting as it might be, I just don't see it fitting. Here's my thing with Ben Simmons that Logan really didn't talk about. I personally, I I really agree with you, Logan. I'm a Ben Simmons guy. I still believe in him. I kind of feel like we're officially there's a point where every player where eventually somebody becomes so underrated that they they actually like everybody calls them overrated so you're actually like no like they're underrated like ben simmons is still a perennial all-star people and i know there's gonna be some you know people who hate on me for that that's fine look my thing with ben simmons and this is what i was talking about i the ben simmons want to come play in atlanta because i mean it kind of seems like i mean obviously there was cracks in the sixers foundation i mean they just didn't lose to the hawks in the playoffs and everything you know went to hell really but i I don't know if ben simmons is like looking at atlanta he's like okay this is the team that you know this is why i'm getting made fun of you know trey young he kind of owned me the entire playoffs there was all that stuff of how i was going to lock him up and then you know we also have that with 
I don't. I just don't feel like Ben Simmons would ever like want to play in Atlanta. Obviously, there's been that self fulfillment in Portland. You know, that kind of makes sense. You know, that's a. I mean, Portland's pretty much as far in the NBA as you can get from Philly. Really, <laughs> like, correct? I mean, unless we're yeah. adding a team to Mexico City at some point. But <laughs> I, I mean, ultimately. I don't feel like Ben Simmons is looking at Atlanta and saying, that's where I want to be. And, you know, for better or worse. Look, personally, I really agree with what Logan was saying. If if Ben Simmons is on this team, Capella has to go. Um, which, you know, you start pulling up the trade machine, you start making a little three-way deal for Miles Turner and Ben Simmons to the Hawks, and there you go. But <laughs> but I, let, let me digress. I won't do that here. Um, yeah, that's just my thoughts on it. Look, I, if I see a Ben Simmons to Atlanta trade, you know, tw- trade from Woj, you know what? I'm not going to lie. I'm going to like it, but I mean, there's got to be some stuff that's got to be figured out. I, I agree with both of you. I, I think that he is more than what people have kind of pigeonholed him into be. He's more than just that one player that did dunk that one time. Like he's so much more than that. He is a really good basketball player. Like, you know, and I think that given the right situation, you know, I think if you move him, you might have to give up one of your wings uh, you definitely got to get Capella out of here. And if you move to a unit where you have maybe John at the five and maybe like Ben and uh, DeAndre, and then you have Clint, I mean, and uh, Trey and one of the wings where Ben Simmons doesn't have to have the job of being a distribution person. He can just be another guy on your wing. That's just going to shut cats down defensively. You know, he can make plays and you're not asking him to do a lot of shooting. You know what I mean? So, like, from a standpoint, from a spacing standpoint, I think it'll be good. Um, I know John would be kind of an undersized five. But, I mean, if you still got a Congo, then, you know, you could still kind of address that. But I don't think Ben to Atlanta would be the worst thing if if, if the moves were right. You know, they're obviously going to have to do something with the money. You know what I'm saying? Like. And, you know, and, and uh, I guess we got to talk about Gallo <laughs> because, you know, his contract is coming up. And um, a lot of people are, are assuming that, like, you know, he's going to be the first guy off the block. But my thing is this, and I understand he's making a ton of money. If you take Gallo off that bench unit, what do you have right now? <laughs> you have nothing. Abject poverty. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and I love Gallo. I love Cam. But listen, we can on the only time we talk about Cam, like I'm, I'm so tired of people talking about Cam's potential. Like, no, don't talk yes. about his potential. Like, oh stop doing that. Like, can we agree to stop doing that? Like, let's talk about what the guy is. You know, he's very inconsistent. And like, I don't want to hear about his potential. I want to hear who's producing. You know who's producing? The Italian guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, he's going to drive you crazy. He's going to drive you crazy. He's going to have nights where he goes one for two. But he's going to have many nights where he is carrying that bench unit. Like, the the boy's offensive bag is deep. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it, it's easy for us to say, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, we got Trey Gallo. But I don't know, man. Like, you know, on the bench, it's gonna it's kind of slim pickings. That, that's – I'm so glad you brought up Gallo because it's sort of a joke on Hawks Talks. I, like, I joke about – because I, I had some Italian family, so I joke that Gallo is like – like I have a kinship with him. <laughs> he – look, man – he may be off the team after the season. You know, he has that sort of, it's not officially an option year, but you can cut him for a minimal cap hit, whatever. Whenever he is off the team, Hawks fans are going to miss him, whether you want to admit it or not. He has some god-awful nights, but he's truly one of the most talented offensive players on the team. And like you said, he backpacks that bench unit a lot of nights. So I'm glad you mentioned him 
you know, give give Gallo some props. He, he's a great player. I, I really wish he never got hurt back. Uh, what year is that? Like 2012, whatever it was. Because peak, like truly peak Gallo could have been uh, like an all-star type guy. But um, yeah, he's always a useful trade piece. I get that. But I, you know, if you want to look into moving him after the season, that's fine. Right now, the bench needs him. Uh, that, that's yep. sort of bottom line. Like you, if you're going to move him, you need to replace him with a lot of offense. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that can throw up double figures from your bench unit. And I and I said about my plot a lot, like, this team needs two guys to give you double figures from your bench, you know. It's nice if Cam can give it to you, but Gallo, he's he's the most consistent guy from your bench because sometimes the starters don't have it. And especially if Nate, if, Nate, if Nate goes to that doomsday lineup where he plays full bench, then Gallo's your guy, you know. And again, like, I, I agree with what you said. Like, young Gallo was a boy. Like, that dude was a problem. That dude had a, a, I mean, he was stroking. He can get to the hole. He he wasn't as slow, and uh, yeah, man, he he was he was fun to watch, man, back in the day. Denver Gallo was really like Denver Gallo was just he was a fun player, but yeah, he's a he's a valuable piece. Whether or not Hawks fans really and look the defense, I get it. It's painful. I I see that too. Um, you know, it, it was weird in the playoffs because he truly played some good defense against like Julius Randle at times. But um, in the regular season, he is he is a turnstile. He's he's got tender blocked on his feet, but he can shoot it, man. And Lord knows sometimes that bench needs shooting because when when Cam's not hitting, nobody else on that bench is going to shoot right now because because Kevin has to start. So you know, I'm glad we can appreciate that Gallo has a he has a bona fide need on, on this on this roster right now. You mentioned nobody will shoot, and then you talk about DeLon Wright against the Nets, and it's just like, oh, God, here he goes. DeLon Wright's wide open for three. Nobody within a – they're, they're the, only, the closest defenders in College Park, and he passes the ball. Uh, no, I agree with you, although – and you know what? I really agree with you, Logan. Hawks fans are going to miss Gallo if, if he can go on after this season because you can hate that guy as much as you want to. Some of the bailout shots he makes, man, those are beautiful. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like – and sometimes it's kind of like, and I'll be honest with you, like sometimes I'm like, well, what are they doing? Like when they run those offenses, when they're just like, yo, we're going to give Gallo the ball and get out of his way. I'm like, wait a minute. This isn't young Gallo anymore. Like, <laughs> Do we know what we're doing here? <laughs> but like, he's like, he reminds me of when I was 12 and I used to play my dad. And he used to like just big boy me with like the old man weight and would just like hit me with elbows in the post and hit step back. Like that's old man Gallo. And I tell you, man, when he's hitting, it's a, it's a joy to watch, man. Like, I ain't going to lie to you. It's a joy to watch. My favorite thing with Gallo is he'll get in the mid-range. He'll do whatever he does, pump fakes, kind of, you know, position. He'll hit the mid-ranger, and then he just waddles back on defense. That's my favorite <laughs> thing to watch every time. It's like a struggle to watch him get back on defense. But he, hey, can, he can put up 20 pretty easily. So. It's almost like he's telling the guys when he runs back, hey, I did my part. Now y'all got to stop. <laughs> It's like I got 24 seconds of rest right now. Y'all got to pick up the slack. <laughs> I'll be ready on the other side. Y'all make sure that damn ball comes through me. <laughs> Another very funny thing about Gallo is that whenever he's on offense, he gets an ISO. None of his moves work, so he just goes, "All right, screw it," and then he just like stands up tall. He's over his defender. I mean, Gallo's a tall guy. I mean, he shoots. He's probably close to seven foot. He just shoots over them and makes it. It's like it's like it's the thing about great offense beats good defense. There's just nothing you can do about it. It's the Kevin Durant thing, but Gallo. And it's funny because 
I mean, Gallo does not look like a basketball player at all when he's not in uniform. And especially in uniform. Like, I hate to say it, he kind of looks like me and Logan in uniform. Like, you, you look at Gallo, you're like, all right, man, you definitely don't look like a basketball player. But he just shoots over people. You're like, this, this, is, the, this is peak basketball, people. You may not like this. This is what basketball is. You know, this isn't, you know, Trey Young taking 30 footers. Gallo's just going to stand over you. And I don't care if you're six foot eight. Gallo's going to stand over you and switch a mid range. And you know what? You could try to stop it, but it's not happening. You just got to accept it. He's going to go through three, maybe four moves. And at the end of the day, he's like, well, I'm just going to shoot over you, maybe fade away, and it's going to be a bucket. And you're going to be. And he makes it. It's like, oh my God, like this, this is the greatest basketball player ever. Yes. I mean, so in the totality, everyone's always like, well, you know, we got to pay Cam and we got to pay DeAndre. The easiest thing to do is, you know, move Gallo once that, you know. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, I, I'm kind of on, on the lines of Logan. Like, let's wait to this season out you know let's see how this season plays you know what i'm saying let's see how how much you know we get for the boys you know what i'm saying like how 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 well how healthy they are you know what i'm saying because nothing's guaranteed you know and so you you gotta assess everything and, and i don't think travis is is he's done a phenomenal job putting this team together if you go back and look at the team that he had when he first got here you know the, the big debate can you believe like the big debate when he got there was like Yo, so are we gonna pay Paul? Are we gonna pay Dwight? Like, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like that, was, that was that was what the big like. Do y'all remember that? Like, that was the big thing. Like when Travis got here, like he has done a phenomenal job. I just want to ask you something, Eda. What would you think about a scenario in which uh, you know Gallo? I mean, I kind of feel like it's uh, kind of a foregone conclusion that the Hawks aren't going to be paying Gallo twenty mil next year. How would you feel if we did the thing where you know we bought out his contract, like his like his, we have a we have a clause in the contract to do that, of course. How would you feel if we did that and then we just extended Gallo? Like we're like, all right, we're going to bring you off of that twenty mil per year. Like your APY is coming down, man. I kind of feel like that's probably the best case scenario i mean i know me and logan have talked about that but i just wanted your opinion on that like do you think that's realistic at all i mean obviously no player wants to see their their yearly salary go down from 20 mil but i do feel like there's a lot of reason for gallo to want to stay here yeah obviously and i and again i think a lot of that depends on how this season shapes out like if they can make another good run where it's just like you know what i i would like to take another shot at this and i mean he's obviously has value for this team. He obviously has tremendous value for this team. If he feels like he can do it, you know, hey, because sometimes players take take less for a team that they believe in, you know? Like, <clears throat> it's, it's up to him. Like, okay, should I take money and, you know, have a chance to compete or do I want to go to Detroit and make another 20 mil? <laughs> like, I, only he can answer that. Like, I think it would be a value for him and the Hawks for him to come back on a more player-friendly salary, you know? But, I mean, I think at the end of the day, Travis is going to make some moves. And I think that if, if moves are going to be made, he's probably at the top of the list. Um, but, I mean, I would love to see Gallo here for a while, man. Like, I, I enjoy his old man game, man, to be honest with you. And his game will only continue to age well. Like, obviously, you see the age next to his name. You're like, oh, okay. I mean, you're getting out there. Like, you're getting kind of close to how old LeBron is, Dick Gallo. But then you're like, Gallo really doesn't do anything that requires, you know. I mean, Gallo's not athletic at all right now. Like, I mean, you you can't tell me that Gallo's game in two years is going to be very much different than what it is now. Like, maybe he's a bit slower on the dribble. Maybe he's not able to take, you know, so many hard fouls and stuff. And, you know, maybe he stops a bit of the foul betting stuff where he gets, you know, those obvious hard fouls. But I don't th in two years, I don't think Gallo's game is going to look really any different than what it is now. I mean, pretty much he just catch and shoots and occasionally just, you know, 
opens up his big Italian bag of dribble moves, which are beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, man. But hey, this has this has been fun, man. This has been fun, man. I appreciate both you guys coming on, giving me uh your perspectives on things. And uh, we definitely got a link again, man. I appreciate uh, all of the work you guys do on your pod, man. Keep up the good work, man. Keep doing that, pushing that content out, man. And uh, I just appreciate y'all for coming on, man. I think for having us. It's been uh, it's been fun. No doubt, man. So let the folks know. Let them know where they can find you guys, your socials and all that stuff, man. Let them know where they can get get at y'all. Yeah, sure. So we are the Hawk Stocks podcast. Um it's you know we we will tweet out the links you know where we tweet but just sort of so you know sort of our uh, our handles things like that make it a little easier um our sort of primary the you know podcast twitter account is just at hawks talks says hox talks normal um mine personally is at loggy h-l-o-g-g-y-h-t um if you want to check me out on twitter check us out um you know just just give us a listen you know i think we just have a fun sort of chill laid back perspective on the hawks you know we uh don't take anything too seriously, and I think that's what makes us a fun podcast. But if Jackson wants to plug himself, he can he can go ahead and do that now. You can find me on Twitter at uh, JacksonRedmond underscore. I will say, I'm not going to lie, if, you, if you're in the mood to you know get down in some trades with me, you know, tell me that my trades are awful, that's where you could find me at. I'm always down to talk to the people. But yeah, obviously, uh, you can find the Hawks on podcast pretty much anywhere. We've done a pretty good job of like getting out on every platform, so really any podcast platform. And if it's not, just shoot one of us a tweet or a DM, and we'll try and get it on whatever listening platform you listen to it on. But I just want to say thank you for having us on. It really does mean a lot. You know, you're kind of like a you're kind of like a, an OG of the Hawks uh, Hawks podcasting community to us, so we really do appreciate it. Yeah, man, I uh, like the kind of person I am. Uh, I, I'm one that always tries to you know to spread the love. You know what I'm saying? And uh, folks out there creating content and, and connect with them, especially if we all have the Atlanta Hawks in common. You know, I try to partner with you know podcasts when I can. And, uh, you know, support folks and retweet stuff and like, you know, because, you know, at the end of the day, man, like when 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 one wins, we all win. So that's just kind of how that's kind of like how I get down. I just kind of like my little stilo. So, yeah. Appreciate you guys for coming on with me. Uh, for those of you who are uh, new to the pod, I, uh, recently uh, our podcast has joined the Minute Media Podcast Network. So uh, to open this up to a little bit of a bigger audience. And so we're excited about that. If you're new to the pod, again, make sure you connect with us on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, our website is thehawksbeat.com. And uh, I think that's about it, man. So we'll put we'll put a little bow on this podcast, man. I want to thank the, uh, the the good brothers, Logan and Jackson, for coming on with me. And uh, make sure y'all check out their pod as well. So we'll see you guys next time. Peace and love. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.